Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including great guests. William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, will be joining us. Our United States Senator, Rick Scott, will be with us talking about his 11-point Rescue America plan. We'll also visit with Sal Nuzzo, Vice President of Policy with the James Madison Institute, talking about the uh, previous, just uh, completed, legislative session in Florida, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture, author of many books, his latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, co-authored with Buzz Aldrin. It is March the 18th, and on this day in 1766, after four months of widespread protest in America, the British Parliament repealed the Stamp Act, a taxation measure uh, enacted to raise revenues for a standing British army in America. The Stamp Act was passed on March 22, 1765, leading to an uproar in colonies over the issue that was to be a major cause of the revolution, taxation without representation. Enacted in November 1765, the controversial act forced colonists to buy a British stamp for every official document they obtained. The stamp itself displayed an image of a Tudor rose framed by the word America and the French phrase meaning shame to him who thinks evil of it. The colonists who convened the Stamp Act Congress in October 1765 to vocalize their opposition to the impending enactment greeted the arrival of the stamps with outrage and violence. Most Americans called for a boycott on British goods. Some organized attacks on the custom houses and homes of tax collectors. After months of protest and the appeal of Benjamin Franklin before the British House of Commons, Parliament voted to repeal the Stamp Act in March 1766. However, the same day, Parliament passed the Declaratory Acts, asserting that British government had free and total legislative power over the colonies. As you can imagine, nobody liked that in the the colonies, and you know the rest of the story. So St. Patrick's Day 2022 came not just as a celebration for Irish, but also for the return of Major League Baseball to a semblance of normalcy after years of dis- two years of disruption due to the COVID-19 pandemic and a month of delay for the 99-day Major League uh, Baseball lockout. Spring training finally uh, felt back to normal in Lee County. The Boston Red Sox, dressed in their traditional St. Patty's Day green uniforms, played host to the Minnesota Twins, clad in green hats and uh, blue, uh, jet blue park Thursday. And uh, the first of 19 games each team will play this spring before the regular season starts. The Red Sox won the game. Of course, it doesn't matter because they played everybody <laughs> they possibly could, but they won the game 14-1. to For us Boston Red Sox fans, we can only hope that is a... Uh, sign of things to come. Also yesterday, March Madness was underway, and there were a couple of big upsets. Watch this one. Number 15, St. Peter's. Never even heard of the university before, but congratulations to them. They shocked 
Number two, Kentucky in overtime. Number 12, New Mexico State. I watched part of that beat UConn. They were the number five team. And number 12, Richmond beat number five, Iowa. So lots of upsets to start uh, the March Madness or the NCAA basketball, men's basketball tournament. Here's a quote from our president, Joe Biden, in a speech yesterday on Capitol Hill. He said, and I'm not kidding, I'm not making this up, I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> what kind of... I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. So, uh, again, offending all you Irish folks uh, who have Irish heritage, um, perhaps you're not stupid either. Unbelievable. The President of the United States. Well, Russian President Vladimir Putin called his Turkish counterpart to Erdogan on Thursday afternoon using the conversation to lay out Moscow's demands and conditions for a peace deal with Ukraine. Uh, there are no surprises here, <clears throat> acceptance of Ukraine that uh, ought to remain a neutral entity and not ap apply to NATO for membership. Uh, uh, Zelensky has already agreed to that. Also to uh, go through a disarmament process so as not to impose a threat to Russia. And there must be protection for Russian language in Ukraine. And this, there must be denazification the last point uh, comes with some complications, the BBC said, noting that Zelensky, himself Jewish, with kin who died in the Holocaust, had taken offense to any suggestion this nation has Nazi inclinations. Well, if you watch uh, Ukraine on fire, uh, you'll see that there's certainly lots of Nazis in Ukraine, and uh, they have strong political clout in some parts of uh, Ukraine. So uh, that'll be a point for discussion. Uh, where things get tough is while less specific regarding tougher demands, they involve the state of Donbass in eastern Ukraine, where factions have already broken away and sought alignment with Moscow. Likewise, Crimea's status is on the table. Uh, all, all that suggests that two men will ha be haggling over a particularly challenging condition on Moscow demand that Ukraine cede some territory in its eastern reaches. Zelensky would need to be accepted Crimea annexed by Russia in 2024, 2014. A bit much controversy now belongs to Russia without question. Uh, the BBC reported that the demands did not seem as harsh as some had feared, nor worth all the violence and bloodshed arising from the Ukraine invasion. On the flip side, though, the network says the issues are bound to uh, fill Ukrainians with anxiety. Improperly executed, they could be open the door to another invasion from Russia in the future. So that's the status right now. That is, shows some promise, in my opinion, when you're reaching out to a neutral party like Erdogan in Turkey and asking for their support in negotiating these things. I think that indicates a willingness on uh, Putin's side uh, to uh, really negotiate in good faith. Hopefully that's the case. Well, the House uh, Democrats on Wednesday blocked consideration of a Republican bill aiming for U.S. energy independence from Russia amid the Ukraine war. A former environmental engineer now running for Congress in New Mexico condemned the move as unconscionable. House Democrats just voted against a measure by House Republicans to consider the American Energy Independence from uh, Russia Act a critical bill that would uh, unleash American energy production, Representative Stephanie Bice, Republican of Oklahoma, tweeted Wednesday. Clearly, Democrats don't want, don't care about solving our crushing energy crisis. Unbelievable, she tweeted. 
Uh, House uh, Bill 6858, the American Energy Independence from Russia Act, would approve the Keystone uh, XL pipeline without a presidential permit, direct the president to commission an energy security plan, and open up oil and gas leases along the U.S. across the United States. Among other things, Republicans have emphasized the United States energy production as the solution to America's importing uh, Russian oil, which President Biden halted in an executive order this month, and to Europe, uh, Europe's reliance on Russian oil amid the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Alex Martinez Johnson, an environmental engineer, Republican candidate for New Mexico's 3rd Congressional District, slammed Representative Teresa Ledger Fernandez for voting to block the bill. We could be powering the nation, creating high-paying jobs and where we are des- they are desperately needed and reinforcing our national security throughout our abundant resources, Johnson argued. Instead, we are being drowned in a high prices with, uh, of gas. Uh, with the world uh, coming uh, becoming less stable every day, it's unconscionable, he said. My perspective as an environmental engineer is that it's infuriating to see my neighbors suffering because of Ledger Fernandez's refusal to help unlock our state's tremendous energy potential. I think he's got it right. Fernandez's office didn't immediately respond for a comment. But uh, clearly, the Democrats now are standing in the way of something that makes so much sense. And of course, we'll be talking about this later uh, with Larry Bell on the show. You probably remember when Iran's Revolutionary Guard fired missiles into American consulate in Iraq. Hey, that was way back when, last week. With that bit of history as a backdrop, you probably find yourself surprised to learn that President Joe Biden is considering removing the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, the IRGC, from Foreign Terrorist Organization Watch List. That idea is apparently one of the items being put on the table as part of Biden's desperate scrambling to get the Iranians to sign on any sort of agreement to enter back into the Iran deal regarding his nuclear weapons program. And just in case you missed all the recent headlines uh, coming from those negotiations, it's the Russians, let me repeat that, it's the Russians who are brokering the agreement. You know, the country that's been currently blowing up theaters and hospitals in Ukraine, it's really getting hard to differentiate between satire and reality these days. Yes, it was Donald Trump who placed the uh, Iranian Guard on the terrorist watch list. That was a move that was pretty much a no-brainer, and it's a wonder that it hasn't been done before then. But that makes the idea of all the sweeter for Biden because he loves doing anything and everything that Trump did, undoing it uh, in his four years in office. Just to be clear, this proposal has a lot to do with sanctions. Anyone who does any sort of business with the the Iranian Guard is subject to sanctions because of the group's terrorist designation. So, if the Iranian Guard is removed from the watch list, we find ourselves in a situation where Russia, a nation currently being hit with some of the biggest international sanctions ever seen, will have negotiated its way into removing sanctions from one of the worst terrorist groups in the world while securing itself from sanctuary relief in its dealings with Iran. And it's all being done in the name of getting Iran to sign on to a deal that likely won't be enforceable in any meaningful fashion. Does that all that make sense to you? You might want to sit down for a bit because it's almost a lo- I'm at a loss for words in terms of describing how bizarre this entire process has become. 
Last month, we looked at the story of how one member of Biden's negotiating team walked away from his job and later left government service entirely because he was so disgusted with the way talks were going. Robert Malley is the person heading up the negotiating team for Biden has been described as someone who initially offered the Iranians so much right out of the gate that they couldn't believe their good fortune, and yet we still don't have a deal closed. How in the world would anyone not consider the Iranian Guard to not be a terrorist group? That's pretty much all they do. They've been orchestrating terrorist attacks in Iraq and Syria for years and all the while plotting ways to undermine and damage Israel. They're pretty much the definition of what Aramic, uh, Islamic terrorism looks like. But in the interest of getting the Iranians to sign off on an agreement that they will never live up to, Joe Biden is willing to normalize their relationships. Does that make sense? There must uh, be a lot of people smiling in Iran right now and likely Russia as well. Everyone is always happy when a sucker shows up at the card table, don't they? Unbelievable stuff. And meanwhile, the Saudi uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has invited President Xi, or Xi to visit the capital after Ramadan as part of its efforts to strengthen relations with China. Do you see us uh, weakening uh, us? Do you see how the United States is being weakened on the global stage? It's pretty incredible. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing that commercial for Lulabee's Diner just reminds me they have great outdoor dining, both for breakfast or lunch. So I hope you'll visit Lulabee's Diner at the Green Tree Shopping Center. The segment of the show brought to you by the Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app and visit the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with our United States Senator, Senator Rick Scott. Right now we have with us William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. William, uh, we've been talking about what's happening on Capitol Hill and in the Beltway here for now. It's been a long time, a couple of years maybe. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about our energy policy because a lot's going on. What are your thoughts? You bet. uh, Indeed, a lot is going on, or or, or perhaps not going on, as we'll get to. Um, uh, Moody's this week released a report, um, uh, an analysis that says that consumers are poised to pay $160 billion more at the pump this year Mm. um, than last year. And that actually works out to $1,300 per household. Mm. Um, So in the face of this sort of news, Biden, President Biden, took to Twitter this week. Um, to complain about the high price of gas, and in particular, um, to allege price gouging uh, by the the big oil companies. Um, But, uh, you know, as we noted last week, we've got sort of a a, a vast disparity between Biden's words, where he expresses this concern about the rise in the price of gas, and his administration's deeds. Um, So a related report this week came out from Politico, um, they, they tallied up the, the amount of oil and gas permits issued by the Biden administration. They found that at present, uh, the number is at historic lows. Um, so the permitting is one aspect of how the federal oil and gas proceeds on federal lands. Um, another prior aspect is leasing. And, mm-hmm. and the Biden administration um, has maintained a, a long term, you know, since day one, in essence, um, moratorium on oil and gas leasing. That was actually upheld by a circuit court on uh, leave on Tuesday. The long and short of it is, is we've got Biden, you know, on the one hand, you know, expressing uh, grave concern for oil and gas prices and sort of uh, pointing wildly at, at things that don't exist, like right. price gouging. And then on the other hand, his administration doing everything in their power um, to inhibit uh, oil and gas production by domestic producers on federal lands. And that, again, as we spoke of last week, um, that's out of uh, sort of uh, uh, he's kowtowing in this aspect to the climate-oriented base um, or, you know, the, you know, those aspects of this base that, that are very much concerned about global warming. Um, so, you know, it is a, uh, 
I guess that's what politicians do. They say one thing and do another. Um, but here, the contrast is especially stark. Um, and I should note here, and this is something discussed last week, but you know, at the same time that he's doing in his power to throw up roadblocks to domestic production, he's reaching out to these regimes in Venezuela and Iran um, to attempt to spur foreign production in these areas you know, where, where, frankly, these regimes um, are not friends of, of the United States. So it really is sort of a, a wacky, I guess, is perhaps an apt word for, for how this Biden administration is going about energy policy. I'll suggest it's also dishonest. My goodness, he's saying that, hey, look, uh, the oil companies, they're price gouging. We're going to look into it. In fact, the Democrats on the Hill are saying, yeah, we're going to form a, a committee to find out what the heck is going on with these higher prices. And uh, Saki is saying, hey, you know what? You've got lots of leases. You've got all kinds of opportunities to drill. Why don't you do it? All of this is so misleading to the actuality of what's happening right now. And to your point, I mean, he called Saudi Arabia, says, I'd like to have a meeting. And they said, nope, we're going to meet with Z instead. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's actually we're actually watching before our very eyes the diminished, diminished uh, stature of the United States here on the world stage. Well, we certainly in the energy context and, and you know, our ability to, to um, throw around our weight uh, based on our energy power. You know, the, the, there was a renaissance in U.S. oil and gas production. Yeah. You know, listeners are not aware due to this phenomenon known as cracking. Um, and indeed, I think you're exactly right. To the extent that we're, we're diminishing domestic production, um, we're also diminishing our presence on the world stage when it comes to um, uh, you know, oil and gas prices. The, the fact is that the United States came on um, as a major factor, as sort of a, a, the marginal producer, yeah. um, thanks to this fracking revolution. And, uh, you know, the, the, as I said last week, um, there were a lot of things I disagreed with with President Trump, but he was, uh, I, I appreciated the clarity of his energy policy. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this notion of energy dominance. And, and we're getting the exact opposite. We're going to sort of uh, double speak President Biden. Absolutely. Before I let you go, I, I do want to get your comments now on um, what's happening with regard to the Federal Reserve uh, nominee that apparently has withdrawn her application, and also this uh, Supreme Court candidate as well. Uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, well, shoot. I'll, I'll take the Supreme Court first, and briefly, um, so uh, Senate hearings for uh, 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 Kataji Brown-Jackson are set to begin next Monday. Um, and I, I, frankly, I think she's going to fly through. I mean, uh, the Republicans really haven't, uh, I'll put it this way, the Republicans have no appetite whatsoever to do to her what the Democrats did to Kavanaugh. Um, and I think that, it, as reported, that her meetings with individual Republican senators, um, that she's come across as, as very intelligent, very charming. Um, so I, I honestly don't expect too much uh I don't expect the Republicans to invest too much political capital in opposing her. Hmm. And from the line that Senate, uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has taken, it seems as though they're going to use this, the Republicans are, as an opportunity to uh, uh, shed light, to highlight sort of the insidious effect of uh, the progressive dark money on the federal judiciary. So yeah. um, that, that is to say they're going to use it for messaging on something that isn't necessarily uh, focused on the, uh, the nominee. Um, and as for the Federal Reserve issue, so this was uh, uh, very briefly, Sarah Bloom Raskin had been up for the top watchdog position over Wall Street. Um, she had... Uh, 
in her academic writings, in her prior writings, she had expressed uh, a, a very much a willingness to turn this position, to, uh, this regulatory power, um, away from the Fed's traditional mandate of stable prices and full employment and to a new mandate of fighting, uh, mitigating climate change, of in essence becoming a climate change regulator. That did not fly, especially with uh, Senator Joe Manchin, you know, again, that swing senator from West Virginia, a yeah. whole state. And ultimately, her nomination was torpedoed. Yeah, so uh, we're so we're we're so grateful for that again. Uh, William Yateman, again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit the website cato.org. C-A-T-O. dot org. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with our U.S. Senator Rick Scott. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com. Or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Sal Nuzzo, Vice President of the James Madison Institute. Right now, we have with us our United States Senator, Rick Scott. Senator Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, it's always great to be with you. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, Senator. I hope you are as well. Senator, uh, is going great. excellent. Uh, so uh, you came out with the Rescue America plan, 11-point plan to rescue America, which I thought was terrific because, uh, you know, right now the Republican Party has gotten the idea, the uh, reputation of having not having a plan, or at least that's exactly how the Democrats are trying to uh, 
to uh, frame this entire thing. So maybe you could tell us about your plan and why you created it. Sure. If you want to read it, you can go to rescueamerica.com or you can text America at 22044. Um, but here's what I want. It's, I put out a plan. It's 11 steps, uh, 128 policy points. I want to get America's ideas. Um, I want to get Floridian's ideas. I want to let's, let's figure out what we're going to do. I believe we're going to get a majority back uh, this November. And then I want to get something done. I've been up in D.C. for three years. My focus is getting something done. I'm a business guy. Yeah. In business, I wrote business plans. We organized a management team around that plan, and then we executed our plan. When I was governor, we did the exact same thing. That's why we were able to add 1.7 million jobs, why we became the number one uh, state for higher education. And when we, when I finished, we had a 47-year loan on our crime rate. So here's some of the ideas. All the kids on the state of Pledge of Allegiance, salute the flag, learn that America is the greatest country. We've got to stop this woke left uh you know, attitude that America is not a great country. It's the greatest country ever created. Right. We've got to stop this racial politics. Stop. The government shouldn't ask you the color of your skin or your race or anything like that. We, we should be, we should judge people by their character. We've got to fund our police. I mean, this is, this is really simple to me. I want, I want law enforcement to show up when something bad happens. So I respect uh, law enforcement. Uh, so I don't, I believe we ought to fund, not defund the police. We've got to have a secure border. I mean, we have to stop drugs from coming across the border. We want to know who's coming to our, in our, into our country. We love immigration, but it's going to be legal immigration. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of other things in this plan. I want to defend the American family. God ought to be in all aspects of our life. we got to build our country first if we want to be able to help people around the world. So um, I believe we ought to be Americans, not globalists. Yeah. So there's some basic ideas here, and I'd love to get everybody's uh, feedback. It is. And I encourage I read through the entire plan. I was so encouraged about it. Of course, a theme that you've had since you were governor, since the very beginning, has been jobs, jobs, jobs. An important emphasis is not only having a job, but making sure that every American has an opportunity that can perform a job to actually do it. Yeah, I grew up, I grew up, uh, I was born to a single mom. We lived in public housing. My mom always would tell me, she said, thank God you live in America, because in America, you can be anything. Yeah. He said, now you're going to have to work your butt off to get there, but in America, you can do it. So she said, going to go to church. We went to church a lot. She said, you're going to be an evil scout. So I said, you're going to make straight A's. That's how you're going to get ahead. She said, go get a job. So I did. I've worked since I was seven years old. It's good for us. So I want to build a, I want to build a country that everybody, just a kid like me growing up, has every chance to live the dream of this country. You know, I read through the plan, and I said, you know, these, this, as you've put it so often, since you're governor, it's just common sense. The ideas that you're purporting are not controversial. These are things that I think we could all get behind, especially those that are conservative and uh, want to, you know, abide by the Constitution, the rule of law, and uh, do the right thing. Yeah, we've, we've got we've to focus on turning this country around. The woke left controls what the Democrat Party, the you know, your federal government now, a lot of your local uh, governments, and they they don't like this country. They don't like the, they don't like police. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're into socialism. Socialism only does two things. It, it causes a, oppression and poverty. That's what that's what happened. Government government is there to be a safety net. Government can't be there to just solve every problem. They can't. We solve problems. We have to take responsibility uh, for our lives. So it, it's, it's, it's common sense. We got to go back to common sense governing, and that's what I'm gonna. That's that's what I'm gonna try 
uh, to get done. We also we have to protect our election. I mean, the Democrats don't want you to have an ID. Why? Because they want fraud. They, they sit out there. They said, oh, we, we, we ought to be able to register the same day so nobody can check who's voting. They want to be able to ballot, harvest ballots so somebody could go fill in your ballot for you. These, these things are going to cause us to not believe our, election is, our elections are fair. I want to make sure our elections are fair. Your, your vote is never diluted. Governor, uh, I say governor, because <laughs> going back a long time now for our relationship, Senator, but I just really appreciate the, the work that you've done on this. I'm just curious, we've not seen anything like this out of your peers or out of the Senate or out of the House. Uh, what sort of response have you had from other senators and other people on Capitol Hill? Well, I mean, there's people that don't believe I'd have a plan. I believe you should. Uh, it's it's almost as basic as that. I'm fine with being held accountable for exactly what I propose. I'm fine with having a discussion about what we ought to do. Some people, you know, they 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 don't want to be in a position that somebody can judge how they've done. I'm, I'm a business guy. You can judge every day. If you if you have a restaurant, you're getting judged based on how many people want to come back. So the real world, we all get judged. In politics, people don't want to be judged. I'm fine. I'm fine with telling people this is what I'm going to do. When I have my elections, I told people if you want big government. I'm not your guy. If you want to tax, I'm not your person. I'm going to fight for lower taxes every year. I'm going to fight for smaller government. I want programs. I want safety nets. But I want to also fix programs. Like mm-hmm. Medicare is going bankrupt in four years. Is there? Do we have any conversation in Congress about how we're going to make sure it lasts? None. Do we have any conversation about Social Security goes bankrupt in 12 years? No, that's not right. I mean, by the way, I'm going to bill passed. We had this bill. This was one point five trillion dollars. Bob, one point five trillion dollars. We had the bill for less than twenty four hours. We were expected to vote on it. It had five thousand earmarks. Mm. Five thousand. Where some politician says, you know, like oh oh Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer had hundred and fifty some earmarks. He got a somebody in his community got a six hundred thousand six hundred thousand dollar greenhouse you paid for. Uh, some of the museums up in New York uh, got three million bucks. You paid for it with your taxes. Mm. So that's not fair. I mean, this this idea that that federal government should be doing that the local government should be doing. It's, it's not, it's, if it's local, if it's a local project, it's local government. If it's a state project, it's government. the federal government should be spending money and taxing all of us and running out this unbelievable debt. We have thirty thirty. Thirty-three dollars of debt. Yeah, I mean, that's over two hundred thousand dollars per American taxpayer. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and another part of your American Rescue Plan, of course, is to pay down debt. I mean, a lot of people would probably scratch their head and say, "How is that possible?" But I, I think you think it is possible. I did it as governor. I want think about this, Bob. You know how in school they tell us, "Oh, states have to live within their means," right? That's mm-hmm. not true. The state of Florida, for 20 straight years before I got elected in 2010, for 20 years, increases debt by – they never balance their budget. They increase their debt by a billion all year. I actually balance the budget every year, and I cut taxes, your taxes and fees 100 times, and we paid off a third of the state debt. So we cut taxes over $10 billion, and we paid off over a third of the debt, which is over $10 billion. You can do it. You know what you can do? How you're going to spend money? What what they do up there? You know what the compromise up in DC is? That's the compromise. Oh, I can't agree. So, oh yeah, we'll all spend money. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to fight against this stuff. I think it's ridiculous. This omnibus bill was passed. 
We no. Let me think. Do you think anybody who could read twenty seven hundred pages in twenty four hours? Yeah. Right. And 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 understand. You know the the legal gobbledygook that's in it. Nobody could understand that, and then vote for it. Yeah. I mean, and then all these earmarks. It, it makes you mad how how this is going. So I'm going to fight this wasteful government spending. We've got to downsize. That we got to downsize uh, the size of government. It's yeah. got to get smaller. Yeah. If, if we want our taxes to go down, which we should, then we've got to say, you know, that's a nice. That's that's nice, but we don't need that. I wouldn't spend my money on that. Well, you are. You're you're spending your money because government's going to tax you for it. Right. Unbelievable. Again, Senator Rick Scott, I just uh, was so pleased to see the plan. I hope that all of our listeners will go to read, uh, go to rescueamerica.com, rescueamerica.com, and read the Rescue America 11-point plan, each uh, each point, I think, having many subtitles and said points. Just really, really exciting to see it. Uh, Senator Scott, I just genuinely appreciate your coming on the show with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day, Bob. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Sal Nuzzo. Sal is the uh, Vice President of Policy at the great James Madison Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more and find out about the 44,000-square-foot Performing Arts Center being built downtown. Just visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture. Right now we have with us Sal Nuzzo. He is the Vice President of Policy with the James Madison Institute. Sal, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Sal. Tell us about the James Madison Institute. Sure. JMI is a nonprofit uh, economic research think tank. We're based in uh, Tallahassee, Florida, but operate on anything that touches Florida's economy. So we're all over the state. We work a lot with the state legislature as well as partners in, uh, in Congress who, uh, who make the laws for Florida as well. Great organization. The website is jmi.org. J-M-I. Did I get that right? Is it jamesmadison.org, I think? JamesMadison.org. Yeah, I apologize. Okay. So, Sal, um, I wanted to get your view and a wrap-up of the last legislative session just completed last week. What are your thoughts? Sure. Well, the the legislature uh, uh, convened sine die on Monday. They passed a $112 billion budget, which is the only constitutional requirement that the legislature actually has. But uh, it's a 10% increase over uh, the prior year. A number of things uh, kind of went into that, including a really sound and strong economic rebound from the pandemic for Florida. So revenues have been really up. In addition, there were some uh, federal pass-through dollars. And largely, uh, the governor will uh, issue what uh, we have in Florida, line-item vetoes. But uh, the largely huge to a conservative economic principle of limited government and a pro-business environment. Uh, the House and the Senate also passed uh, uh, each of their priority packages. The House mainly focused on a series of priorities uh, that kind of concentrated on parents' rights and education, a number of things related to kind of the woke culture. They also, uh, the legislature did pass uh, HB5, which is a 15-week abortion ban, and the governor has indicated he would sign that. Uh, the Senate concentrated a lot on issues and water policy, and so uh, the, I believe there was somewhere in the neighborhood of about 250 to 260 policy-related bills that are going to go to the governor's desk, and he will, uh, he will sign and veto and do his thing over the course of the next several weeks. Now, that's just, uh, it just sounds like a very successful uh, session. Uh, and I, I think the, um, a lot of focus on parental rights and a lot of focus on education, from the, uh, especially in the House. Yes, absolutely. Uh, parental rights and education were absolutely a focus of the House, uh, and the Senate kind of came along, uh, especially in the tail end of the last couple of weeks. The Parents' Rights and Education Bill, House Bill 1557, from Representative Joe Harding, was probably the most um, uh, I, I won't say controversial, because if you read the bill, it's not controversial, but the left tried to make it controversial. Mm -hmm. That was a big one. There is a uh, there was a, a major uh, addition to charter school authorization that was also uh, kind of uh, flew under the radar. But it was something where now if school districts are, are trying to uh, prevent charter schools from uh, opening up in uh, various districts. There will be a new authorization body at the state level that folks can go to to get their charter schools authorized. That was a big, uh, big bill. The Stop Woke Act from um, Representative Avila uh, would prevent kind of CRT 
and other types of that kind of indoctrination from being uh, put into the curriculum and into trainings for teachers. So a number of things on that front that the House is really focused on. Pretty exciting. I serve on the board of the Optima Foundation and our charters to start charter schools in the state of Florida. Uh, not and especially the it's the unions it's it's the school unions that are really uh, obstreperous and difficult with when it comes to starting charter schools. We need to have school choice for kids and for parents in terms of uh, how they want their kids educated here. And, and of course, choi- choice drives competition. Competition yep. is good in the marketplace. So uh, it's really really uh, reassuring to hear that the uh, legislature's taken that that uh, stance. Yeah, absolutely. And and there are actually two things related to choice that uh, while they did get some traction, there are things that I think they're going to come back to in 2023 just because they didn't get them all the way through this year. And, and one of those is an expansion of choice that moves us in the more it moves us in a direction for uh, universal education savings accounts. They didn't uh, lift the caps on income for our existing choice program. So that's one thing. And the other one that was sort of surprising because it had a lot of traction to pass the House, but the Senate did not want to uh, touch it, was the union reform bill that would have removed school districts from collecting the dues and remitting them to the unions and would have required unions to get affirmative consent of uh, members each year. And so those are two reforms that I think are very common sense. The House saw it, but uh, when you have the dynamic of, uh, you know, both the House and the Senate kind of focusing in on their priorities and what's important to them, those are two of the things that kind of uh, I'm hopeful that for 2023 they're going to come back and and address. Well, that sounds very encouraging. I mean, I think it would be great if if, uh, the unions had to get affirmative uh, confirmation that they're allowed to extract dues from teachers because not all teachers want to be part of the union necessarily. Do they have the right to reject a uh, union uh, membership uh, in the state of Florida? One of the, yeah, Florida's a right to work state, but one of the things that we have uh, kind of encountered over the years is that uh, when you have a monopoly in a particular district, which a union is, they will do whatever they can to kind of maintain that monopoly. And sure. so they don't like competition. And so one of the things that they do is they erect barriers to people getting out of them. And so those are some of the things that, that Florida kind of tackles. And so those two things, requiring affirmative consent each year and then just getting the district out of the business of collecting the money and giving it to the unions, let the unions operate like any other organization uh, that that you know, gets members. They have to collect their own uh, membership dues and, uh, and, and, you know, the state will be better off for it. Uh, no question. I really appreciate that point of view, Sal. Before I let you go, I'd love to get your comments on the governor right now could not come to agreement with uh, the legislature with regard to the uh, congressional maps uh, and uh, would, would appreciate any comments that you have. Sure. And this really kind of boils down to a conflict between the Federal Equal Rights Act and the state's fair district amendment that passed many years back, maybe about 10 or 12 years ago. And so the governor's contention is that mainly Congressional District 5, which is up in the Jacksonville area, but it snakes all of the way west to Tallahassee, is what he considers a gerrymandered congressional district, and it is illegal in his opinion. The legislature had initially proposed 
a map that would have maintained that district because it is an African-American majority district, which comports with the Equal Rights Act. And so the governor threatened to veto uh, and is continuing to threaten to veto the map on the congressional side that the legislature had passed. Uh, if he vetoes it, the legislature has the, the authority to come back in special session, but I have not heard that they're going to do that, which would basically punt the issue to the court. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this court, which is uh, has three members appointed by Governor DeSantis, will look at that map in comparison to how the courts threw out the maps 10 years ago, which was a very different Florida Supreme Court then. So interesting. So much for affirmative action, huh? <laughs> At least in my opinion. Uh, just, it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Sal Nuzo, again, Vice President of Policy. I encourage our listeners to visit the very robust and very helpful website. It's uh, jamesmadison.org, jamesmadison.org. Sal, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of Beyond Foot Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting thefga.com. 
www.ncbi.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, as I mentioned before the break. He is the endowed professor at, uh, in space architecture at the University of Houston. He's also the author of several books, his latest, co-authored by Buzz Aldrin, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you, Professor. I want to talk to you a little bit about our energy policy. Uh, you wrote a column, Biden's energy policies are to blame for gas pump pain. I think that is so true. But you also, I think, served on a panel, if I'm not mistaken, on uh, Middle East television. Uh, and maybe you could just tell us about it. Yeah, uh, you know, we, well, these are these are strange times to put it nicely, and uh, you know, so much of it is is oil policy driven, and and of course behind that is the climate crisis, the so-called climate crisis that uh, that uh, is used as a pretense for all these these crazy energy policies and anti-fossil and so on. And I had, had a, I wrote an article earlier last week also about. Uh, how, how ironic it is we're pleading to OPEC. I say we, Biden administration, pleading to OPEC for a bailout now on oil and also going to uh, Venezuela and Iran begging for, Biden administration is begging for oil because because basically we've uh, decimated our own, you know, our own energy policies and systems and so on, not to pump oil. So, you know, that terrible irony. So I had been it was rather a daunting uh, challenge for me. I was asked uh, by Al, Al Arabia, which is the main uh, t- television news news uh, network for the whole Arab and all the Arab nations, to kind of talk about uh, this because the Biden administration had gone to Saudi Arabia or asked, you know, made a call to uh, uh, ask them for you know to increase their Oil production, and they didn't answer the call. I mean, yeah. they, they basically uh, uh, really snubbed Biden. Said we, we're, we're, you know, didn't even even respond to the end of the call. And uh, so I was asked by Al Arabia, uh, and, and the interview was in several, you know, translated into several languages to kind of kind of talk about these policies, and and it's hard to explain that. The lunacy of of our administration, of course, of, they were wanting to know more about what's all this green uh, uh, movement all about, and and I, I said, well, you know, it, it comes from this this notion that uh, we have this carbon dioxide fueled planet emergency, and that we need to uh, um, you know move to electric vehicles and so on. And uh, how, and, and we also talked a little bit about Ukraine. How all of these uh, issues now are are converging and mixing in a very bad way. Uh, where uh, you know the one thing we haven't, major thing we have in common with, with the Middle East and Saudi Arabia is that, and, and UAE is a common concern about Iran, and uh, that's that's kind of a parallel issue where. Here we have uh, again the Biden administration frantically trying to resurrect this this uh, ghost of a Iran nuclear deal, and presumably re- eliminate some sanctions on them, including releasing ten billion dollars for the Russians to build a big uh, 
nuclear plant in Iran, all the all this crazy stuff, which is all this stuff is going to enrich Iran to create more, you know, bedlam in the, in the Middle East. And uh, of course, UAE has uh, been under assault by Iranian-backed rebels in Yemen, and they're a little bit upset about the Biden administration's failures to designate the Houthis as the terror, terrorist group and so on. So there's all these things wind together. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, to make, it's hard to make sense out of them and explain them to any, uh, 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 even Americans, much less uh, international people. Yeah, it certainly it is so confusing, and of course, uh, right now the uh, president wants to drop uh, uh, the Iranian guard off of the uh, t- terrorist list and making all kinds of concessions in order to somehow, some way, re- reinstate this uh, Iran nuclear deal. By the way, being negotiated by Russia, <laughs> you can't make this up, uh, uh, Larry. It's just unbelievable. Well, you can't, and it's. Uh... It's a Hail Mary, you know, and, and on the energy side, it seems like they're doing everything intentionally just to try to, I mean, the first of all, the Iran is just weeks away from having a bomb bomb material, and, and that's being widely reported, and they basically ignored the, a lot of the inspections and requirements of the earlier nuclear deal, which was about to expire in a couple of years. Meanwhile, they've been getting you know, support to uh, complete their ICBM so they can deliver them. That wasn't even part of the deal. So it's an absolute, it's an absolute disaster. And uh, so, so on one hand, you got that crazy nuts going on, and then the, of course, the oil prices and inflation, which the administration can't dodge. They want a quick fix, you know, to, uh, to bail out the pump prices. Just long enough to get through the 2022 midterms. Right. No no change in their policies whatsoever in terms of, you know, that releasing our own energy. And, you know, they inherited in energy independence and even and it, we, and it, we we did and, and energy dominance. And, and, and a year later, we're effectively pleading for for help and, and then and then pushing these electric vehicles so-called electric vehicles where we're running into a trap where we're going to depend again on Russian nickel because they have a major supply of nickel. And then we're going to run to uh, China to get the rare earth materials like lithium and so on for all these batteries we need for these electric vehicles. And nobody even thinks about where that electricity is going to come from. It's not going to come from windmills and sunbeams, uh, big problem Europe has right now, and particularly Germany, is they build all these dumb wind turbines, and uh, and, and they had a weak wind, wind summer last year, and they're going into this you know, winter season with an de- energy deficit, and that's why they're, they're so uh, desperate for Russian energy. So all these, all these, pro- all these uh, pipe dreams are converging. Unfortunately, the pipelines aren't, but the pipe dreams are. And uh, and we're in a hell of a mess. Indeed, we are, and it's just so unfortunate. Everything ties back to our energy policy, and our energy policy is based on this flawed whole notion that somehow, some way, carbon dioxide, a trace element in our environment, is somehow bad for the for for the earth. It's certainly not. Carbon dioxide fuels 
the lushness of the planet. It makes it more green as a consequence. As you've pointed out so many times in your book, Scared Witless, the Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom. Again, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, I encourage you to visit his new book, a visit or read it, uh, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, co-authored by Buzz Aldrin. Professor, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, I enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. On Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. He'll be joining us as well as Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. Uh, they'd like to, I'm sure, hear it as well. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.